Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. The Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff. The Indianapolis Colts select Andrew Luck. And welcome back to another edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at JReedNFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-NFL. And it's been a while, I know. I know we had a bit of a break there, but I want to apologize to my loyal listeners, but we are officially back, and I am going to continue doing my division-by-division preview of each team throughout the NFL. We already have the NFC North in the books. Today, we are doing the NFC South between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New Orleans Saints, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Carolina Panthers. The division that I think is one of the toughest divisions in football, and I cannot wait to see the end result of what exactly happens in this division. We only have one new coach in the division. We have Bruce Arians coming into Tampa Bay, and that is the first team that I actually want to get into. So for those of you that might have missed the last episode, what what I am doing is I'm going division by division, and I am predicting the season records for each team, and I'm going to highlight who I think is going to be the MVP, team total MVP, rookie of the year as well. And then I'll give, of course, a final season prediction and, of course, division winners of the actual division. So I wanted to start down south with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I love the Bruce Arians hires just because I think this entire offseason should have revolved around Jameis Winston and doing everything that they could possible to salvage his career just because being the number one overall selection of the 2015 draft, he came in with a lot of hype, one of the best college quarterbacks that we have ever seen as far as being pro-ready and coming to the NFL already polished. And he came in with a lot of expectations, and he just has not lived up to that. And why do I say I like the Bruce Arians hire? Because he has a track record of really improving and helping guys who have had or been turnover prone in the past. He did it in his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger. He turned around Peyton Manning's career from his rookie season with the Indianapolis Colts. Also, Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer in Arizona as well. So he has this track record of working with big body type of quarterbacks, big arm quarterbacks that were or had a propensity really to be turnover prone and just making boneheaded decisions in crucial times and just putting the offense in bad situations with turnovers. That's what Jameis Winston has been to date. His decision-making just hasn't been there to this point. And what has came out of Buccaneers camp so far is that he has been very precise. His decision-making has been very crisp. But, of course, practices don't really matter. With Jameis at this point, it's all about what he does in his 16-game slate that he's going to have in the 2019 season because the Buccaneers have already exercised his fifth-year option. And this is a make-or-break year for him. Let's just be honest with the situation. If he does end up having a career year under Bruce Arians, I could see a situation where they do end up franchise tagging him just to see if he can replicate that success, what he did during the 2019 season, during the 2020 season. I just don't see a situation where they end up giving him a long-term extension just because he just hasn't shown those flashes like we have been accustomed to seeing 
like we were accustomed to seeing when he was at Florida State. He really just hasn't shown that to date. And it has it has come in spurts. I don't want to say he hasn't shown or he has been an exact dud to this point just because he hasn't. But just the boneheaded decisions game in and game out, it just has not been ideal. But with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich by his side, two guys that have the resume, extensive resume of really helping improve quarterbacks. I really like the fit with Brian or Byron Leftwich, I should say, a guy that has had success in the NFL and also did wonders with the Cardinals offense a year ago with the limited amount of talent that he did have. I really like those two brains coming together to really help uplift Jameis Winston. So with that being said, my prediction for Tampa Bay, I have them going 6-10. and 10. I'm just not a believer in this football team. I am I am a believer in Bruce Arians. I will say that. And the Buccaneers do have some promising pieces. I think Mike Evans is a top five wide receiver. Chris Godwin could be due for a breakout year. O.J. Howard had a really good year last year. Offensive line has been so-so. They gave Donovan Smith the massive extension. Ali Marpet as well. Two rock-solid guys on the left side of that offensive line. Running back is a huge question mark. Peyton Barber probably is the starter going into the year. Bruce Anderson is another guy that they think very highly of. And then Ronald Jones, their second-round pick from a year ago. There's a lot of expectations for him after the weight game from this offseason. He had a very good spring, which is some of the reports that have come out. So offensively, I think this team is a huge question mark, but they just have a lot of flashy names on paper. Bruce Arians and Byron Leffert are really going to have to put these pieces to the puzzle together in order for this offense to in order for this offense to come together. But the biggest question always comes on the other side of the ball with this team, and they firmly addressed that in the first round with Devin White, selecting him with the fifth overall selection, and that is my rookie of the year pick for this team. I think it's pretty easy, and I think he's going to have so many flashes on this defense just because this team hasn't had a guy in the middle of the defense in years past. I know Quan Alexander was a really good player, but I just don't think he is the prospect that Devin White is. Coming into the season or coming to his rookie season, pairing him with Levante David, I think that could be one of the better linebacker duos throughout the NFL in maybe two or three years. The secondary is a huge question mark, and it just seems like this team just always takes selections, hoping that they stick. And Mike Edwards, a third-round selection. Jamel Dean, also another third-round selection. And then Sean Bunting Murphy, or Murphy Bunting, I should say, their second-round pick. So, they spent a lot, a lot of draft capital on this secondary, hoping to fix it. Ryan Smith is already scheduled to serve a four-game suspension after testing positive for a banned substance. So that's another piece that they will be missing in the secondary. They're hoping Carlton Davis can make a jump during his second year or their second-round draft pick from a year ago. And Vernon Hargraves just hasn't lived up to expectations to this point. So the secondary is a huge question mark. But they bought in Indomitian Sue. Gerald McCoy is now out the door. He's with the Carolina Panthers. So they're hoping Sue maybe could be a cheaper but upgrade option along the interior. Jason Pierre-Paul, we know his situation with his neck. We really don't know when he's going to be back. Vita Vea came on late last year, their first-round pick from a year ago. So this team just has a lot of question marks, but I think Shaq Barrett could be an underrated piece coming off the edge from the Denver Broncos, uh, who was their prize free agent signing outside of Ndamukong Sue. So this team just has a really... I don't want to say, I want to say a lot of unknown pieces. I'll put it that way. And it's just a lot of names on paper right now, especially on offense, but on the defensive side of the ball, it's always going to come down to the secondary with this team. They've always been, they've always been notoriously known as a team that has always been bottom of the barrel as far as their pass coverage. And they're hoping the front end of this defense really can come to boot and help out this secondary just because it has been very porous 
in the past, but they've spent a lot of draft capital on it, and they're hoping some of these rookie draft picks or second-year guys can really turn the corner and help out the secondary. So I have the Buccaneers going 6-10. and 10. I have the MVP being Devin White and also the rookie of the year being Devin White as well. So I have a lot of high expectations for Devin White coming into the year, and I think he's going to be a really, really good player for the Buccaneers. So I have Tampa going 6-10. and 10. The next team, that I'm going to move on to is the Carolina Panthers, who I have finishing third in this division. I have them going 9-7, and seven, a very disappointing year last year after getting off to such a hot start. I believe they finished 1-7 and seven, uh, down the backstretch of the year last year. Cam Newton suffered a lot of injuries, uh, most notably to his throwing shoulder for the second year in a row. So just getting Cam Newton healthy, that's really going to be the biggest thing that is going to salvage the Panthers' season this year. And I like the first-round selection of Brian Burns just because they had a huge need coming off the edge. Julius Peppers did retire, so and he was really their only feared edge presence coming off of the perimeter. They also went out and signed Bruce Irvin as well, so they're already better at that spot. Don Terry Poe, who is going to be a productive player for them coming over from the Atlanta Falcons, Gerald McCoy is the big free agent signing uh, from this offseason. Another plug-and-play option along the interior of the defensive line, along with Kawan Short, who I think is a vastly, vastly underrated player. Thomas Davis does exit, but that just creates a bigger role for Shaq Thompson coming into that Sam linebacker spot. Of course, you have the man Luke Keekley, uh, who is the best, one of the best linebackers in the league and one of the best players in the league, I should say. So, this team, another huge question mark, is in the secondary. Dante Jackson was a player that I was a huge fan of, their second-round selection from a year ago. They just signed Trey Boston back. Rashawn Golden thought he was going to have a bigger role this year, but it makes sense why they would go out and sign Trey Boston just because they have some question marks at safety, and I thought they would address that more in the draft, but they just didn't feel the need to do that, I guess. Uh, Eric Reed, who they did resign to, a three-year extension, I believe it was, after coming over uh, from being an unrestricted free agent. Uh, we know the controversy that did ensue with him and how a lot of people felt he should have been in the league when he really wasn't signed to this point. But he proved to have a really good year, bounce-back year for the Panthers, and he's really become a key cog for that defense on the third level specifically. So this defense has a lot of promise, but we really are yet to see it, especially in the secondary. I thought they really struggled last year in that department. They're hoping James Bradbury can take another step forward now entering his third year, I believe it is. So he pretty, he pretty much is their most notable corner outside of Dante Jackson, who I think is going to be a terrific player uh, in the slot. But I thought this offense showed a lot of promise last year. North Turner coming over uh, from his previous stop with the Minnesota Vikings, I believe it was before his prior stop uh, with the Carolina Panthers. Him and Cam Newton had a lot of chemistry during the first half of the season, but the biggest surprise, and I shouldn't say surprise, but 106 catches in a season is just phenomenal to me, and that's Christian McCaffrey. That's just an insane number for a running back, and he is by far going to be the MVP of this team. For me, I have him down as the MVP just because the offense runs through him, and yes, I know Cam Newton is the star player of this offense, but it goes through Christian McCaffrey, whether that is the running game or as a receiving threat, which I think something the Panthers really do lack right now. There's some guys they're hoping really does step up, but they just haven't done it to this point. They drafted DJ Moore a year ago, and he had some he had some really good play in some spots, but it was very up and down. He had some fumbling problems, specifically as a punt returner and also out in the open field as a perimeter option as well. They have the always reliable Jarius Wright on third down, who is always going to flash at some point 
whether that is on third down or when the team needs him the most. And, of course, you have Curtis Samuel, who a lot of people are thinking could have a breakout year, now entering his second year as well. So keep an eye on Curtis Samuel. I think he could be a breakout candidate for this uh, for this unit. They signed Matt Paradis, uh, the center from the Denver Broncos, replacing Ryan Khalil, who came out of retirement today, or yesterday, I should say, signing with the New York Jets. Trey Turner, who I think is an underrated piece. Darrell Williams, I was really surprised to see them bring him back um, after he suffered the knee injury from a year ago. He didn't play at all uh, last year, but they drafted Greg Little, a very controversial selection, and he's had a rough go at it so far. And that's really expected just because he is very raw coming into the process. A lot of people labeled him as not really being strong, and he probably needs a year or two in the weight room really to just basically get his weight up and just really having to be able to be able, or I should say, taken under Taylor Moten's wing at that left tackle spot. I really think that's going to help him, and I think that would be doing him a huge disservice if they tried him out there as the day one starter protecting Cam Newton's blind side. And I would keep Taylor Moten at the left tackle spot, and I would keep Darrell Williams at that right tackle spot just because I think that would be better for them. But tight end spot, of course, you have the always reliable Greg Olson, even though he did battle some injuries last year with his foot. Ian Thomas didn't step up as much as they thought he would, uh, the second-year player now out of Indiana, but he is a really nice backup option to continue to learn behind Greg Olson as well. So, uh, And I think the biggest draft pick that really made a lot of waves really came on day two when they selected Will Greer in the third round, the quarterback out of West Virginia, a player that really received a significant amount of hype coming to the draft process. But he really was very disappointing in the senior bowl, even though he was very exciting during the year for West Virginia. Didn't really have a great pre-draft process, but still ended up being a day two selection. And the reason I like this pick so much is because the Panthers really didn't have a lot of security behind Cam Newton a year ago, and I thought they really suffered as a result of that. Taylor Heineke, Derek Anderson, that really wasn't any type of security to me. But now you have Will Greer, a guy who's going to bring in some electricity to the game. You don't really have to change your playbook much, even though he's nowhere near the type of athlete or the type of arm strength that Cam Newton has. But he has enough talent in order for North Turner to keep the offense afloat and for it to survive so I'm really interested to see how they bring him along and how they nurture him to be in that backup role and if he eventually overtakes Taylor Heineke so I'm really excited to see what goes on with this football team I could see them being anywhere from 11 and 5 all the way to 8 and 8 I think there's a vast range that this team could have but I'm going to put them right in the middle at 9 and 7 I have Christian McCaffrey as the MVP of this team and also I have Brian Burns as the rookie of the year of this team just because they don't really have a huge threat coming off of the edge but I think their interior is going to take up so much attention that is going to create so many one-on-one situations for Brian Burns but he has a ways to go as a run defender I think he needs to get a bit more powerful in his hands and in his lower half but as far as a pass rusher he has that immediately right away and I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if he is an eight plus sack guy as a rookie just because of the defensive line and surrounding talent that he is playing with so I have Christian McCaffrey as the MVP of this team Brian Burns is the rookie of the year and I have the Carolina Panthers going nine and seven before we move on with the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons here's a word from Blue Wire's latest sponsor all right guys we've got an announcement to make Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably 
Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blades, rich lathering shave gel, and even a travel blade cover. Get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a very fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's Blades comes with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Again, that's harrys.com slash b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e to redeem your razor for only $3. Welcome back. And for those of you that might have missed the first half of the show and just wanted to jump in in the middle of the show, or if you're staying along, I want to thank you once again. And we are doing a divisional preview. Today we are doing the NFC South. We have already discussed the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we are moving on to the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. The first team that I will talk about is the Atlanta Falcons. And this is a team that I will always be a believer in just because of how good they look on paper. This roster is absolutely loaded to me in every spot. And I think the needs that they had in the offseason, I think they firmly addressed it. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, the MVP of this team, I think I would be crazy not to predict this guy to have a big year just like he does every year. And that's going to be Julio Jones. I think Julio is going to have another monstrous year. And I have no arguments if team or if players say or any individual that says he is the best player or best receiver in football. I am firmly a believer of that, uh, even though it can be a bit argumentative about that i think julio jones is a phenomenal talent unlike anything that we have ever seen before at the position just the height weight speed combination that he has and he possesses and just how difficult he is to guard on a weekly basis i think that makes him a firm mvp candidate as far as this team not a league mvp but just for this team i think he's going to have a monstrous season and i think i think i think they have one of the best trios in the league and julio jones muhammad sanu and the first round pick from a year ago in Calvin Ridley. Those three together just really provide three supremely explosive options on the perimeter. All those guys can really score at a moment's notice and really had a really good year for a rookie last year. Had a multiple amount of touchdowns, got off to a very hot start, even though a lot of people were criticizing him just because of his age, being that he was a 23 or 24-year-old rookie. It really didn't matter for him. He had a very mature game, very mature route runner, very sticky hands, and he is extremely elusive and very loose in his body movements, and route running always carries over into the NFL, and that proved to be true with Calvin Ridley. Just moving on to the other skill position, they have Austin Hooper, at the tight end position, a player that they're really still waiting on to come along uh, their third round selection from the 2016 draft. They're really still waiting for him to have a breakout season, but he really has shown some positive play in spots. Devontae Freeman, Edo Smith, two players that I think are going to be a really good combination, even even though Tevin Coleman did depart uh, a year ago and has moved on via free agency. And of course, everything always comes back to Matt Ryan. He was the MVP uh, a couple years ago. 
uh, the first round selection from 2008. Seems like he's been with the team forever. He's been with with them for over a decade now, and a player that I think somehow always gets disrespected, even though he did have the great year with Kyle Shanahan. I think Matt Ryan is a really good quarterback, but as long as you keep him surrounded with an offensive line that can keep him upright, an average running game, and of course he has the weapons on the perimeter to help him out a lot. I think he could firmly place himself in the MVP considerations once again, just like he did a couple years ago. But their biggest weakness on the offense was along the offensive line, and they invested heavily in the draft, the first-round selection, Caleb McGarry, and also another first-round selection in Chris Listrom. So that just goes to show you where they thought they were very weak at, and that was up the middle on their offensive line, specifically on the right side. They started Brandon Fusco uh, on their right side a year ago, and they just did not feel that was up to par. So they bring in Chris Listrom. They bring in Caleb McGarry, even though McGarry does have some injury concerns. He's going to have a heart procedure here soon, and I think he's scheduled to be out six to eight weeks. I believe Adam Schefter did report that a couple days ago. So we'll see what they do at that right tackle spot. Maybe they'll start Tyler Sambrello. Um, maybe they'll start him at that right tackle position. So they have Alex Mack in the middle at center, who's always rock solid. They signed James Carpenter and also Jamon Brown. Maybe they'll both see time at that left guard spot. Or if Lidstrom does struggle, maybe one of those two will slide over to right guard. So we'll see what does happen with that. Jake Matthews, uh, who struggled his first year in 2014, but has been rock solid ever since. So the, the Falcons really wanted to sure up that offensive line, and they really did that this offseason. I was really happy to see them do that because they went all in with protecting Matt Ryan. And really, this closing window that they do have, even though everyone knows about the Super Bowl run that they did have, that did come to a thrilling end that didn't work out their way against the New England Patriots a few years back. I'm always going to be a believer in this team. I can't say it enough, even though they had that chaos that did ensue during the ending of the senior or excuse me, the the Super Bowl. The senior bowl is on my mind for whatever reason. Um, But the 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 thrilling end that came uh, with the Super Bowl with this team. But I think where they are going to be so much better this year is on their defense, just because they suffered so many injuries last year with Keanu Neal going down. Deion Jones also going down as well so they're going to be much better on the defensive side of the ball and they're going to be able to create so many opportunities for that offense and I think this defensive line is very underrated Tack McKinley Grady Jarrett uh, of course are the staple of the defensive line then you have Deidre Sanat who is going to step into a bigger role this year as that starting defensive tackle along the interior Vic Beasley it really didn't or he hasn't lived up to expectations really after having a really good freshman and sophomore seasons. He just hasn't been the player that they thought they were getting with the first round selection in 2015. And this is probably going to be his last year with the team. So edge rusher is probably going to be a concern with this team following this season. But they're hoping that added competition to the room maybe could uplift Vic Beasley and maybe he can get back to that standout sophomore season that he did have. But the second level of this defense is phenomenal. You have Devondre Campbell and of course you have Deion Jones uh, along the interior as well. So the third level I think is very impressive as well. We already talked about Keanu Neal, Desmond Trufant who is always underrated to me, Ricardo Allen and they're hoping that Isaiah Oliver can take another step forward. A player that I was a fan of coming out of Colorado in 2018 he now steps into a bigger role now um 
with that secondary. So Isaiah Oliver, all eyes will be on him this year. But my prediction, I have this team going 11-5. and five. And I have them finishing second in the division. And I think they're going to get a wild card spot. And it's crazy to say, but that's just how tough this division is. I think it's stacked from top to bottom, depending on how Tampa Bay does this year. I don't think they're going to be an easy out whenever any of these teams play. But I have the Falcons going 11-5. and five. I have Julio Jones, the MVP of this team. And the rookie of the year, I have being Chris Lidstrom. And it would have been Caleb McGarry, but just because he's playing more of a demanding position in offensive tackle but with Chris Listrom I know offensive tackle of or offensive guard I should say is always a tough position to highlight just because they don't get a lot of notoriety but he's going to be a lot he's going to be doing a lot of dirty work dirt uh, dirty work along the interior for Matt Ryan and also clearing the path for Devontae Freeman and Edo Smith as well and I think he's going to live up to expectations just because I think he is very pro ready coming out of that Boston College system that ground and pound type of system where they like to keep the ball on the ground which is something the Falcons also like to do as well even though they like to sling the ball around a little bit they know Devontae Freeman really is their bell cow type of guy and they're going to be relying on Chris Listrom a lot on that right side really to hold up so I have the Falcons going 11 and 5. The winner of this division I have being the New Orleans Saints, a team that is absolutely loaded. I mean, you name the position, they have a viable option at it, and they've done a terrific job of building depth on this team. They've just recently paid Michael Thomas, the first wide receiver that is a $100 million man, $61 million guaranteed, the largest non-quarterback contract ever. So kudos to him. He's fully earned it. Their second-round selection from that horror 2016 wide receiver draft class with Josh Dotson, Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, Laquan Trewell, the list goes on and on. But the second round gem of that class ended up being Michael Thomas. He landed in a great situation with the New Orleans Saints being paired with Drew Brees throwing the ball to him and also Sean Payton being able to take advantage of his skill set. But you look at the offensive line, they're absolutely loaded. Taron Armstead, man in the left tackle spot, Andrews Pete. The left guard spot center, I think, is going to be a very interesting position to watch just because you have Eric McCoy and Nick Easton battling it out for that position. I think Eric McCoy has more significant upside than Easton does at this point, but they may want to go with the more veteran viable option in Nick Easton that has had a proven track record at the position previously with the Minnesota Vikings. But I think McCoy is going to end up being a terrific player for them, a very underrated prospect coming out of Texas A&M. But you talk about a guy that went to a great situation. Uh, now that the previous center did end up retiring, and Eric McCoy now walks into a situation where he can really start right away if he's able to show and be reliable like they think he can be. Larry Wofford, who was the prize free agency addition a couple of years ago, coming over from the Detroit Lions. And, of course, the first-round selection from 2017. And Ryan Ramchek, who has held down the right side of that offensive line since being drafted a few years ago. So this is one of the better offensive lines throughout the league they don't have a lot a lot of depth but as far as the first five I think they if you match them up against pretty much anybody across the league besides the center spot and maybe Pete is a little bit lacking at the left guard spot they have one of the better starting units throughout the league and of course the wide receiver position they're always going to keep those spots loaded even though they do lack depth a little bit I think they have a headliner in Michael Thomas and also Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith who also proved to be a really bit 
a really huge surprise for them, a third-round selection from a year ago, Austin Carr, who comes over from the New England Patriots, who they're depending on to man the slot wide receiver role. Tight end is a bit of a question mark uh, with Jared Cook coming over uh, from the Oakland Raiders. They have Elise Mack with their seven-round selection from Notre Dame, a former highly touted high school recruit coming out in 2014, I believe it was. So they're hoping they can tap into that potential. This backfield is loaded, of course. They're going to keep the backfield loaded. Sean Payton always wants to keep viable options in the backfield behind Drew Brees just because they have the ultimate chess piece in Alvin Kamara. Then you have the change of pace back replacing Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray, a viable option, of course, once again, that I think can fill that ground and pound role while Alvin Kamara really is a do-it-all type of running back. So this team is absolutely loaded on the offensive side of the ball. That's not surprising at all considering that is Sean Payton's forte. That is his side. And he's always going to stack the deck on that side. Transitioning over to the defensive side, you have Cameron Jordan, of course, and Marcus Davenport, who they're hoping can take that next step forward. You have Malcolm Brown on the interior coming over from the New England Patriots and David Onyemata, who was the fourth-round selection from the 2016 draft. Uh, Alex Anzalone, who I think the world of coming out, there was just injury issues with him coming out of Florida, the third-round selection from 2017. A.J. Klein, of course, who was always a reliable a do-it-all threat as far as the linebacker spot and also on special teams. And then Demario Davis and Craig Robinson manning the wheel linebacker spots. The secondary, I think, was a bit of a surprise last year just because a lot of people really weren't expecting much from them, even though they have a superstar and Marshawn Lattimore. P.J. Williams really came on at the nickel spot. Marcus Williams overcame the adversity from that nightmare uh, reception surrendered in the Minneapolis Miracle against the Minnesota Vikings in the divisional round in the playoff game. He really was able to overcome that. Von Bell, the second-round selection from 2016, uh, is hoping to take another step forward. Eli Apple was a surprise addition uh, last year and they were really able to tap in that first round potential that he really did show during the earlier parts of his career so trading for him the third round selection I believe it was him coming over and really having or showing promise I think helped them out a bunch but I love the additions that they did have in the secondary Chauncey Gardner-Johnson the fourth round selection of this year I think is going to come in and help them as a backup immediately at a lot of spots just because he is a ultimate chess piece and that he can play any position in the secondary essentially so I was really surprised that it did last as long as he did even though he did have a bad year in 2017 but he had a better year uh, last season so I think he's going to come in and be an instant impact type of player for them as more of a depth piece but this team is loaded at multiple spots I have them going 12 and 4 and I haven't even talked about the MVP of this team future Hall of Famer Drew Brees doesn't need any type of introduction everyone knows what he is capable of and I think he's going to have another monstrous season for this team I have the Saints going 12 and 4 I have Drew Brees as the MVP and I have drum roll please Rookie of the year, I have, this might be a bit of a shocker, but I have Eric McCoy at center. I've already went in depth about him and why I think he could be a surprise player for this offense, especially if he starts from day one. I was a huge fan of him. I had a mid-second round grade on him, I believe it was. So he went right in the range I thought he would. Very underrated player out of Texas A&M. I thought he held his own against Clemson, against Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins. And that, that is really the game that turned me on to him. And I think he's going to have a big year for the Saints this year, even though he's stepping in as a rookie and potentially 
potentially starting at center for one of the most explosive offenses throughout the NFL. So that is my NFC South divisional preview. Just to recap, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going 6-10. and 10. The MVP and Rookie of the Year, I have Devin White for both spots. Carolina Panthers at 9-7. and seven. MVP, I have Christian McCaffrey. Rookie of the Year, Brian Burns. At the second spot, finishing second in this division, I have the Atlanta Falcons going 11-5 with the MVP, MVP being Julio Jones and the Rookie of the Year being Chris Lidstrom. And sitting in the pole position and finishing atop this division, I have the New Orleans Saints at 12-4, the MVP being Drew Brees and the Rookie of the Year being Eric McCoy. And that's my NFC South Divisional Preview. And for those of you that might have missed last week's episode, I went over the NFC North, where I went over the Minnesota Vikings, the Detroit Lions, the Green Bay Packers, and the Chicago Bears. That is just some of the things that I will discuss on this podcast, and I'm going to eventually get to every single division within the NFL, and I'm going to make sure to touch everyone, and I'm going to give my MVP selections as also Rookie of the Year picks. As well, I like to do seasonal previews and also predictions just so it's something that you can look back on a year from now and just show just how bad you were at picking them or if you got some of them spot on. That's the whole purpose of doing this positional or I should say division preview. Uh, this week, of course, we had the NFC South. I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going 6-10, and 10, the Carolina Panthers going 9-7, and 7, the Atlanta Falcons going 11-5, and 5, and the New Orleans Saints going 12-4. and 4. Next week, I will be doing the NFC West, and I promise we will get back on our regular Monday and Friday schedule now that the season, the NFL season, is now cranked back up. We have the Hall of Fame game going on right now between the Denver Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons, so I'm going to kick my feet up and enjoy that. The NFL is officially back, and I cannot be more excited, but once again, I wanted to thank you guys for listening to the Draft Boy Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at J Reed NFL. That's at J R E I D NFL. You can also find my work on the draftnetwork.com. Also, climbingthepocket.com. I have a piece going up right now called the FCS Friday Spotlight, and I interviewed Northern Colorado quarterback Jacob Nip. Has a fantastic story. I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays this year. All eyes will be on him. He is a sixth year senior, so I'm wishing him the best. Jacob, if you're listening, thank you so much for doing the interview. I really hope some of you guys go and read that. That is posted now on the draftnetwork.com. Once again, thank you guys for listening.